you know, I can tell you you're going to be good at it. I can tell you you're going to like it. It's totally different to make your own app or make your own game and then say, yes, I can do this. Welcome to Learning Unboxed, a conversation about teaching, learning, and the future of work. This is Annalise Corbin, Chief Goddess of the Past Foundation and your host. We hear frequently that the global education system is broken. In fact, we spend billions of dollars trying to fix something that's actually not broken at all, but rather irrelevant. It's obsolete. A hundred years ago, it functioned fine. So let's talk about how we reimagine, rethink, and redesign our educational system. Welcome to Learning Unboxed. This is your host, Annalise Corbin from the Past Foundation. And as always, I am super excited about today's guest and the conversation that we are going to have. On previous episodes, we've started talking about the importance of computer science and coding and the opportunities for students and how hard it is for schools and teachers to really ramp up to this. The good news is um, there are some amazing organizations out in the world that are trying to be partners in this space. And And today, we are going to be talking with Alice Steinglass, who is the president of Code.org. Code.org is probably the the biggest, um, most experienced um, in this space, deploying around the world, trying to help schools think very, very differently about computer science and the opportunities that are there. And so we are thrilled to have Alice as our guest today. Welcome. Thank you. Glad to be here. So Alice, for folks who may be that random person or random teacher out there um, on the street that doesn't know about Code.org, we have listeners from all over the world. So give us the overview about this organization, where did it come from and sort of what its mission and vision is. And then we're going to get into the nuts and bolts about how you do the great things you guys do. Yeah. So we are a nonprofit. We're dedicated to expanding access to computer science in schools and increasing participation by women and underrepresented youth. Uh, Our vision is that every student in every school has the opportunity to learn computer science, just like you learn biology, chemistry, or algebra in school. There's just no reason why in the world we live in today, our schools are not teaching computer science. Unfortunately, It isn't just that our schools don't teach it. This has a disproportionate impact on students in high-need schools. It has a disproportionate impact on students of color. And we're dedicated to making it a part of the school day uh, and helping, helping schools do that, helping teachers, helping administrators, helping schools bring computer science just as any other subject as part of the school day so that all kids have this opportunity. Absolutely. And it seems crazy. We spend so much time at past um, working in that space of helping schools, quite frankly, retool for the 21st century and the needs of uh, where our kiddos are trying to get today and certainly what our employers and our workforce are asking us for. And it seems crazy to us that it's not that every school is isn't doing it, um, and it's 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 a required component for graduation. It's viewed just as important as your math class or your language arts class um, in today's world. But we definitely still see that in lots of places, and I think that part of it is that uh, schools and teachers, even communities, and certainly parents. I'm a parent myself. You know, if you didn't have early experience yourself with coding, it seems like it's completely foreign. So how how do you work? Because as a lot of this is is application and process and, and actually getting in the weeds of implementation, but a big chunk of it's messaging, it's marketing. How do you how do you tackle that? I asked the same question of the folks in manufacturing, <laughs> right? You know, how do you change this paradigm? Yeah. Well, 
I, I think you put your finger on it. It is really challenging, right? Um, and I think when we started out, uh, you know, people were looking at it and just the word computer science sounds scary, right? There's this thing, I don't know it. I didn't learn it in school because you know what? Almost no teachers learned it in school 20, 30 years ago, right? And so we're just, even even last year, most schools of education in America don't teach computer science. So we have we have a world where the teachers are being asked to teach something that they didn't learn in school. And we can talk in a minute about the marketing, but I'd love to get into the implementation with you for a moment. <laughs> do you want to talk about a little bit about yeah. what that looks like? I Absolutely. Think Jump right in. Yeah. Like How do you do it? it? Right? <laughs> yeah. So, so, okay. You know, it is hard enough to stand in front of a room of 30 high school students who think they know more than you about a subject. It is extra intimidating <laughs> when you're standing in front of a room of 30 high school students who are sitting there saying, you know, hey, I, I, I know how to do this or that with computers and, and you're supposed to teach them computer science. The good news is that teachers absolutely can do this. They're very successful at it. We find that uh, you know, about half our teachers have no experience in computer science when they come to our professional learning programs over the summer. And they are incredibly successful at teaching computer science. And the thing that that makes the most successful isn't how much technology they know. It isn't how much they play with computers. It's experience teaching, right? That teachers mm-hmm. are... Absolutely. It turns out fantastic learners and they're lifelong learners, right? That's how they get into it. They love education. They love learning. And we found that teachers really rise to the occasion. They love learning something new. And um, and being able to, to have that experience of learning with their students. You know, teachers learn new techniques. They learn new pedagogy logical techniques, they learn new things all the time, right? And, you know, if you just mm-hmm. take away the barrier of, hey, let's let's talk about it as computer science and you say, you know, are you learning new ways of dealing with your students? Are you are you trying new things in your classroom? The answer is yes. Uh, and so the way we approach it is we approach it as um, being the lead learner in the classroom, being able to say to your students, hey, you know, I don't know computer science either, but we're going to learn it together. Exactly. And I've got 20 exactly. years of experience learning. And I know how to learn. We're going to learn. We're going to go on this adventure together. We're going to learn this together. And uh, we do, you know, we learn ways of, of managing that classroom. We have tools and supports so that they're guiding the classroom through this period of learning and learning computer science along with their classroom. Uh, and it is successful. You know, we've had, we've had over 100,000 teachers go through a professional learning program. Our even AP computer science in high school, our teachers are teaching it. Uh, they're teaching it, you know, they're learning it along with their students and their students are passing the AP computer science exam. So, mm-hmm. you know, everything from kindergarten up through high school, we're helping teachers go on this journey where they are learning computer science with their students. And, you know, I don't know, it's, the teachers are amazing, right? <laughs> Tapping into... They are, they are amazing. Yes. And, and, and I think about... Um, I. We we have advocated and used in professional development, not that we're lead, leading the code.org piece, but we have repeatedly suggested to schools, hey, you know, you send some teachers, send them to code.org, have them participate. So any number of the schools that we've worked with, um, you know, in their transition from standardized curriculum to very applied or hands-on sort of approach, really in an effort to engage students in the here and the now and the relevancy piece. 
go and do that. And, you know, it doesn't matter that you're the kindergarten teacher or you're, like you said, the the high school teacher with an expectation that you're going to be teaching AP computer science doesn't make any difference. You too can code. And oh, by the way, your kids are showing up and they, they're they coding already. They may not articulate it that way. It may not even mm-hmm. look like formalized coding. But the reality is that the kids who have grown up as these digital natives, they don't, you know, the, the, you know, the kids in K-12 today don't know a world, right, um, with, without that device. And so they have learned how to adapt and utilize and modify a lot of things in that sort of digital space and world. And it was just never codified. And for the teachers, I think it's freeing back to your point. I love that you said that because that's exactly what I see. I watch them get down on the ground with their their little kids, the elementary teachers, and their iPads and their Spiros, and you know, they are changing the world. And they're thrilled about it. Oh, the elementary school teachers. Yeah. I, you know, we started there, you know, to your question of, you know, where do you start, right? Um, about half of our cl- our activities for elementary school are what we call unplugged. So you don't even need a computer mm-hmm. to get started, right? These are activities that teach right. sort of the concepts of computational thinking. So how do you think about computers? How do you think about um, algorithms? How do you think about these concepts in the space of what makes sense in an elementary school classroom? And so that can be anything from, you know, one of our uh, one of our activities is about singing songs, right? And you're singing a song mm-hmm. with the classroom. And a song like uh, Ultimate McDonald Has a Farm, right? It has a, a chorus that repeats throughout the song. And so you can think right. about, well, what does it mean to have something repeat? What does it mean to have something a computer would do that it does again and again? Well, in computer science, we call that a function. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we sort of have a function in our song. And we can, we can circle that on the board and we can all sing it again. And not only is it a function, but there are pieces of it that change each time, right? Like you can do it with a pig. And if you do it with a pig, the pig says boink. Right. And if you do it with a chicken, <laughs> the chicken says balk, right? <laughs> and so, so exactly. we're learning a little bit of computer science and we're learning it in a, in a space and in a way that's really engaging to a bunch of you know, younger students um, and fits in really ne- nicely with what a second grade classroom might look like or a third grade classroom might look like. And then when it comes to the computers, I think the other thing that's really important is making it as easy for teachers to be able to pick up. So um, mm-hmm. we wanted to make it so that they don't need to install any apps. We want to make it so that, you know, you can just go to a website and it's there and it's running and it'll work on your tablet, it'll work on your computer um, and just make it really easy for a teacher to get started. Uh, oftentimes, the way people start is with the hour of code. Uh, and that is right. a, right. you know, I, I guess this goes back to your initial question of, you know, how do you market it? <laughs> Right, right. Well, an hour of code, I would say, has been wickedly successful. I mean, when it's going on, when it's the season, right? You, at least in Ohio where we are, you can walk into any school in the state and someone, someone is engaged in our code. You can't walk into a building almost and not hear them talking about it. So it's a, it it was, it's effective. That's fantastic. And you know, so uh, the hour of code is both, it's, it's fantastic, but it also, I don't want it to be an excuse for not teaching computer science, right? You know, nobody's oh, going to learn computer but, but it lets people toe in. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's, it's low-hanging fruit, exactly. right? Exactly. Yeah. And what we find is, it is, it's an entry point, right? It's a, you mm-hmm. know, if you're not mm-hmm. sure if you can teach computer science, if you're not sure if your students will like it, if you try an hour of code, it's a one-hour commitment. And it's just a way, you know, if you don't have an hour in your class, it's 45 minutes, fine. Do it 45 minutes, right? Um, right, right. It, it's a, 
it's an opportunity to try one thing and see if you like it. And what we find is that uh, not only does it it teach the students, hey, you know, computer science, they, they learn a little computer science and they might learn, hey, this is something I can do. It may affect their self-efficacy. It may affect their interest in computer science, right? And as a teacher, it gives you an idea of, you know, what would it mean for me to teach this? You know, is this something mm-hmm. I can effectively do with my classroom? One of the things that I thought was most interesting, we did a, a sort of informal study with thousands of students where we asked them to fill out surveys before and after the hour of code. And we saw that their interest in computer science went up, their desire to take computer science went up, but the biggest impact was with high school girls. Hmm. And I think part of that is they start out with this misconception that they don't belong in a computer science class and being able to try it. You know, I can tell you you're going to be good at it. I can tell you you're going to like it. Mm -hmm. It's totally different to make your own app or make your own game and then say, yes, I can do this. And Mm -hmm. yeah, so that's something that we're, uh, I think is a great way to get started and a great way to spread the word Um, at a school that's Mm -hmm. not doing it, with a teacher, with students, just to get the word out. I think also too for the kiddos, and I love that you circled back around with uh, you know trying to get the the girls in particular and, and high school girls. We we see this as such a such a need in so many different aspects of STEM. Right there's um, all kinds of work that's been happening. There's been a long effort to change the trajectory of women in STEM, uh, women and minorities, underrepresented uh, folks um, in the STEM sort of ecosystem. And one of the things that frequently I hear is, well, I can't do that to your point because I don't belong there or I can't see somebody who looks like me, right? Um, That's a very common sort of phenomenon. And the other piece of it is there's such high high levels of access, the barriers to actually enter to try the thing, oftentimes, by the time you get into high school, it's really complex between environmental and social and cultural and all those other sort of barriers that you lump onto the sort of uh, the feeling Mm -hmm. that folks have that I can't be there, that's not for me. The other thing that I really like about the code.org process and certainly the Our Code um, is that it gives folks that immediate short-term success that could then be translated to something else, which gets me to my next question. How do you actually effectively move folks from, I tried this thing, to now I'm going to take this course. But more importantly, I'm going to take this course because I can see myself in a career down the road that this pertains to. That is a hard question. <laughs> I know. It was a bit of a loaded yeah, one. Yeah, no. Um, let's, we can uh, just talk through yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> let's break it down. I think the first barrier is the one I was talking about initially, which is most schools don't offer computer science at all. Um, and so right. even if you have students who are interested, who want to do this, who want this opportunity, if their school doesn't offer it, they're starting at mm-hmm. such a disadvantage. And that compounds over time, right? To your point, it is hard to start in college. It is hard to start if you mm-hmm. don't go to college in some sort of post-secondary, you know, thought. It's it's the barriers are going up, right? And so giving the students the opportunity right. to start younger, I think, is really important. And you know, this isn't something we should just push off to high school and say, oh, well, the high schools will deal with it or the middle schools will deal with it. Uh, I think mm-hmm. it's important to engage the students, you know, starting in elementary school. And I think this is particularly important when you get to your question of girls. Because uh, the research shows that girls' interest in computer science tends to fall off the same as other STEM subjects between about the ages of 11 and 14. And 
I, yep. You know, I've, I've been in these second grade classrooms. The girls are excited to do computer science in second grade. <laughs> I, was, uh, I was in this classroom and these little girls were making, like drawing, drawing the apps that they wanted to design, like just drawing pictures of them. And mm-hmm. this is also a good thing to do is to help your students connect the work to the goals that they have, right? Instead of telling them what their goals are, ask them what they want to do. You know, what app do they want yeah. to create? What game do they want to create? What do they mm-hmm. want to do with their career? And, you know, it could be anything. Maybe they want to go into marketing. Maybe they want to be a designer. Maybe they want to go into medicine. Right now, I'm hoping a lot of people want to go into medicine. And, yeah, exactly. Um, and helping them see how computer science can be part of that. So these students are designing these apps and they're drawing pictures and they're showing and they're like, you know, Miss Alice, Miss Alice, I've got, a, I've got this little heart robot and it's going to run all over the place. And it's, you know, and I don't know. I'm not a... Mm-hmm. Kind of wish the robot wasn't a heart robot, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take it. It's a heart robot, right? Like they're excited at that age, and then right. and then we see, you know, um, I, I, we could go into all these different studies, but we see that there is this this falling off, and I want to give them the support so when they do see the computer science class in high school, they've got something that they already know that they feel like they can do and they can see themselves doing Mm -hmm. it and they can see themselves being successful in it. Um, Beyond that, there's a lot of things schools can do uh, to help support getting women into these classes, young women into these classes. The number one thing that the research shows is um, telling a student you think they'd be good at it. Uh, Girls are less likely to be told Mm -hmm. that. Um, both by their parents and right. by their teachers. And it's something yeah. that schools can do. There's a, uh, we, we did a case study with the Lincoln Public School District in Nebraska. Um, they did an amazing job of getting a ton of young women to sign up for computer science classes. And they even had the soccer coaches going and writing letters to all of these young women saying, hey, I think you'd be good at computer science. I think you'd be good at computer science. Uh, and it, That's awesome. It worked. It worked. Um, yeah. We have yeah. some suggestions and others at code.org slash girls. Um, we're just trying to share some ideas around what can you do as administrators and as teachers to help that happen. I think this is an area where, uh, you know, teachers can have a huge impact. Administrators can have a huge impact. Counselors can have a huge mm-hmm. impact. Everything from, you know, when do you schedule the course? Do you schedule it conflicting with the, you know, classes that are most popular for young women or do you schedule it at a time when they right, can bake it? Right. Do you uh, encourage the young women to take the class? Uh, do you give them credit? Um, making it count mm-hmm. for graduation credits and um, count as you know, a, a real course does increase the number of women taking it. So there are choices that we can make as administrators, as counselors, as teachers that can really help encourage the young women in the classes. Yeah, and one of the things that we will often talk with our schools, especially when we're working with school districts, and they are thinking very deliberately about how to um, sort of have a scaffolded alignment between elementary and high school from a programmatic standpoint, not just from here are our state requirements, here's our obligations to students, but when they're really sort of thinking more about how do we scaffold students to be able to take advantage of academies or pathways that we plan or we we have Mm -hmm. um, when the students get into high school. And one of the things that we talk about with them frequently, because computer science right now always comes up as it should, and we're thrilled to see that. And part of the conversation we have is, let's weave 
coding in particular, through all of the other courses that are happening along the way to a formalized computer science course or sets of courses in the schools that are very fortunate. So that to your point, when it does finally arrive and there's a course to take, that the students have not only had experience, small pieces of experience, but more importantly, from my perspective, is that they understand the context by where computer science and coding is immersed in literally everything they could do. It's involved in every career, in every industry. You can no longer separate it out. It's not a thing that sets aside. So what we have found is that the students who have been exposed to it over and over and over again do not hesitate to sign up for those courses because they can, in fact, see themselves and the potential for it. The other thing that we find um, that's quite remarkable when the students participate in those environments is they will often lean on apps, coding, those opportunities as part of their native solutions when they're problem solving. And we do not see that in schools that don't utilize it. Yeah, I think that's fantastic. I love that you guys are doing that kind of uh, connection. Mm-hmm. I'm curious, how did you support the teachers in that? That's been a, you know, it can be a challenge, right? To have uh, yeah, you know, it, if it, if it absolutely can. Subjects, you know, yeah, it, it's it's well. So two ways. So the first one is to make sure that the teachers who who are willing and sort of see the value of that type of integration, we make sure that they get the professional development that they need mm-hmm. in basic coding. And so a fair number of them, you know, in Ohio, uh, we are a partner state with Code.org, so with OSLN, so that makes it really really easy. So in Ohio, it's easy for us to deploy teachers and really sort of push them into the programming that already exists in the state. To, to, to at least get them at that sort of entry level ready to do that. Some of our other states don't necessarily do that. They're not as organized um, in terms of the deployment that they have. But almost all of them do have local resources designed to sort of move um, coding and computer science into um, K-12 in some fashion. Mm-hmm. Some, some are better than others, right? Well, we try to put those type of resources around them to at least give them the exposure. And then we couple that. So back to your original question, how do we support them in the English class or the social studies or in science to be able to do that? As we really try to shift them from whatever their traditional curricular approach happens to be into a very applied problem-based environment. You can't solve problems, right, without recognizing that I have to bring a whole variety of topics, subjects, and skills to bear. And so we support them in learning how to think about the ecosystem of what you need to solve a problem, that you bring it in, whether it's your content or not. So if I need math to solve this problem and I'm the English teacher, so what? I'll either go partner with the math teacher or, or I, along with my kids, I will learn the math necessary to help them progress in whatever that project is in that ecosystem. Yeah, it's a big I, lift. Yeah, and I think that that is something that we've done in different ways at these different age groups, right? So when you talk about elementary school, it's almost always integrated, right? Um, I think one of the you know hardest parts about teaching elementary school is we ask teachers to be math teachers, ELA teachers, SEL teachers, right? Computer science teachers all at once, and also it's one of the best parts, right? That that it is an age group where you see these. You know these things that are harder to do in middle and high school. These these cross curricular connections in elementary school. You know the social studies project is about history. It's about SEL because the students are learning to work together on these projects, and it's about writing and it's about reading. Right? It's sort of the teachers are bringing these subjects together. And so with elementary school, a lot of our teachers are 
are not, they're not specialists. They're not tech specialists. They're just elementary school teachers. Um, just is the wrong word there. They are elementary school teachers. They're doing all of these things, right? And we, we try to make it easy for them to pick up computer science as something that they can add into their subject you know, once a week, where they're learning some focused skills around computer science, how to make things happen on the computer. And then if they learn those skills, then the teachers have the ability to do more with the students, right? Like, so maybe that next you know, project could, could connect, right? It could be you know, something that is both a history project and a, a computer science project all at the same time. Uh, in middle and high school, we really believe in the idea of project-based learning. Um, and I think computer mm-hmm. science mm-hmm. lends itself really well to the idea of creating meaningful projects. There's a lot of space mm-hmm. in a computer science classroom to not just answer a question, but to get to create something and to get to create something meaningful to you. Mm-hmm. And the more the students build up these skills to be able to create projects that are meaningful to them in computer science, I think the more they have the ability to make connections to other subjects and do do things that cross-connect, right? So if they learn how to build a web page, then they can build a web page about another subject, right? If they learn how to build an app, they right. can write, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, we've got actually right now with schools closed, we put up a new webpage called code.org slash at home. Uh, mm-hmm. One word, at home. And what we're doing up there is providing a bunch of materials that students can do at home. So we've got Code Break, which is like a weekly class we're teaching. Uh, we have lessons students can, can do at home. But one of the things we've put up, especially for the middle school students, uh, are some projects that teachers can, can send at home for their students to allow them to you know, while they're, while they're at home, if they want to, right, or if their school's doing some sort of extended learning, to be able to, to make something that connects computer science, possibly to another subject, you know, teach a science concept with mm-hmm. computer science, or write a choose-your-own-adventure book, which could be a, a, a app that's a choose-your-own-adventure, or it could be a web page that's a choose-your-own-adventure. I think there's a lot of opportunity for these cross-curricular connections. And uh, the the barrier, the first barrier is just having the skills to be able to do that, right? Uh, you know, you need to be right. able to create an right. app to create the, the app that then connects you to a different subject. Right. So if we build those skills, I think a lot more of that will begin to come and we'll see a lot more of that. And that, the, that's exactly what the kids want to do, right? They're hungry for those skills, circling back around to the fact that these kids live, um, have grown up in this very, uh, you know, sort of digital Immerse. It's it's everywhere. It's in everything that they think about. It's it's in it's in their classrooms, even classrooms that aren't really really high tech. Reality of it's it's all around them, and so the kids are really interested and intrigued, and and they want to play in that space. So the natural hook is there if we can actually. Uh, capitalize, if you will, um, on the particular hook or the need that the the students are interested in. Um, One of the things that we see frequently is that if we can overcome the barrier at school and get the students and the teachers engaged in it, sometimes we, we we, we forget that there can be as big, if not a greater barrier at home. And not because of the lack of access or the technology, but back to this is not what we learned in school. And so you get an awful lot of, well, why is this matter? Why aren't we just doing what we always do, right? If it was good enough for me, why is it good enough for my students? And that's a big battle 
battle that happens um, between, you know, progressing and changing school so that it doesn't look like what it used to and being um, at the forefront of ultimately what students need and eventually what workforce is looking for. It's, that's a tough conversation sometimes. Yeah, actually, it is. <laughs> I don't want to downplay it at all. I think there's, there's sort of two aspects of that. One is, you know, does the school have the support from the parents to offer computer science, mm-hmm. right? So if the administrators and teachers want to do it, you know, do they, do they have parental support from that? We, we are definitely seeing that's the case. Um, that parents mm-hmm. want their students to have economic opportunities. They, they recognize that there's all this, this yeah. technology that they're living with that they don't necessarily understand. And they want their kids to, to learn that. So uh, we do see that schools generally get parental support to offer it. Um, you know, nothing's 100%. Um, and if they want more support, they can also send home more information. Um, oftentimes, this is something that that is a great way for a school to to tell the parents that they care, right? So to be able to send out right, something to the right. parents to say, hey, we're, we're leaders here. We're teaching computer science is a win for the school. And they get a lot of support from the parents for having done it, for having brought that to their school. We have a bunch of material at code.org slash stats showing you know, why computer science is important, why it's important for the students. Um, a bunch of material there that's can use to help them get that that support and that win with teachers, with students. Um, students generally love computer science, so that's another place where you get a, you know, kids are excited that it's being offered. They like the classes, so it's another place where students really, you know, it's a reason students want to go to school is they get to go build apps or they get to go it make is, games, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Um, at the mm-hmm. same time, you're absolutely right that there are there are, this isn't across the board. And the same challenges that we were talking about before, um, for example, with women, for you know, it can be depends on the situation. But sometimes, you know, you'll have parents who who have less background or less exposure to this, who might be less encouraging their students to take these courses, and that's something the administrators need to overcome, right? If girls are less likely to be told by their parents they'd be good at computer science, uh, then they're going to be less likely to sign up for these classes at school and you're going to have these same um, differences that are perpetuated in an ongoing way because the parents may not recognize that they're even that, that they are not encouraging their girls in the same way and that's something that that's something we need to continually help them see so that they can help overcome mm-hmm. as well yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. We definitely see the same thing. Um, you know, there's there's something to be said for student encouragement. We always assume that that every kid that walks in the door at the Innovation Lab is is amazing um, and is going to be um, capable of of solving big, giant, global uh, world problems. We don't we don't know which kid that is, um, but we assume that every single one of them can can be that. And we see the difference, right? Because they walk into the door, no matter what their background or their experience um, has been, um, their their educational journey. Um, and they they will often come, you know, especially the kids who come and spend all summer long with us. And we we are fortunate we we are we sometimes have that happen with you know the same batches of kids week after week after week all summer long. And the difference between the kid in that first week on that first day and the kid at the end of the summer is you know, that first hesitant kid, oh, I can't do this. I'm not smart enough. I'm not good enough. They'll give you this litany of things, right? And by the end, they're directing the other kids about how fast they need to go and get on board. And here's what we got to do. And we've got this plan and we've got this presentation when this company's coming in and we're going to show them this, this amazing new app that we've built, right? And they own it. And they're, they're teaching the other kids. And you realize that if you step out of the way, 
um, that that encouragement alone is the, that that was that one piece, that secret sauce that was missing for that individual kid, and suddenly they just take off because you put them in their element. Um, so that's that's uh, it's awesome. Yeah. I, mean, I think sometimes also there are just these these barriers in the way that are are these fake barriers, mm-hmm. but they're real. <laughs> I don't know how to put that. Um, yeah. But right, I yeah. have a student, and she she didn't know how to use the mouse. Right. And so she gets into the class and all these other kids are, you know, they're like whizzing ahead and they're clicking on things. And, you know, computers are hard if you can't use the mouse. Right. And, you know, she just didn't have the familiarity, like knowing where to click or what to do with the computer. And so, you know, after the first day, she just felt so far behind. Right. And um, and felt like she didn't belong. And um, that's one of the reasons for our courses, why we do so many unplugged lessons for the middle and high school courses. We, uh, we, we start out with a unit of unplugged, right? So that, you mm-hmm. know, whether mm-hmm. you've got a lot of experience with computers or this other student doesn't, no, we're going to start our middle school class by trying to build towers out of paper. And we're going to learn about the design process right. and we're going to learn about iteration and, you know, People crumpling and falling down, and see how high we can build it again. <laughs> um, and and that practice helps us build the classroom norms. It helps us build the way we mm-hmm. want the classroom to interact, and it helps build confidence with I can do this. You know, for a unit before we get to the point where we're on computers, where some kids may have experience and some kids may not. Um, so this girl, she was she was struggling. She didn't think she was doing very well. Um, and luckily for me, she wasn't allowed to drop out. <laughs> it was required. <laughs> she had to take it. Um, and, you know, we, we kept going and she was fantastic. She got it. She figured it out. She went above and beyond. She was, you know, building things and building more things. And um, we were building these, uh, um, we we're doing a little bit of physical computing and we we're making little smart homes. And she made all mm-hmm. the little lights light up. And um, and like all sorts of cool stuff. It was amazing by the time she was done. Um, but I think that that's important that we give our students a chance to to get through some of these things. And especially, you know, some of these students who don't feel like they belong or don't have computers at home or you know any of these sorts of barriers that make them think that I I, I don't belong in computer science class. I You know, if we can get them through those and give them an opportunity to build something Mm -hmm. that they care about, that they're successful at, then, you know, we can build their confidence and get them to a place where they, you know, they think they can do it. Um, She now wants to be a computer scientist when she grows up. So we'll see. (laughs) Oh, that was a big win. There you go. Right. Absolutely. (laughs) That kid was empowered. I mean, the, the, the moral of that story, right, is a, you recognize there was this disconnect and there was something that you could do about it. It was fixable, right? It was an experiential gap that you were able to backfill, but more importantly, you know, that, that, that kid was empowered. You know, felt felt strong, felt good, felt worthy, and oh my gosh, look what I'm able to do. And those experiences translate across the board. So how awesome that she wants to become a computer science now. <laughs> but even if she didn't, right? You know, that the empowerment piece alone would probably ensure that she could be successful in whatever she chose. And I think yeah. at the end of the day, that's that's the high bar that we've set. That's pretty, pretty awesome to be able to get to. Yeah. Yeah. What I would like to to wrap our conversation up with two things. Uh, so we'll, the first one is what what do you hear from the world of industry and how much 
Does what's happening in the world of industry impact the way that code.org iterates itself? So how talk a little bit about that exchange, the outcomes and the end goals of getting more computer scientists in the world as as professionals, you know, as it relates to then how and what you think about your programming should be at any given time. Well, I, I think there are two aspects to that. I think the first is that you know i i don't think of this as just like tech jobs right there are actually mm-hmm. it turns out right. that you know two thirds of the computing jobs in america are outside of the tech industry and these are mm-hmm. these are these jobs are not just for tech companies, they're everywhere. There are 500,000 current openings uh, for computing jobs. They're the number one source of all new wages in the United States. This is a space where no matter what students want to do, we believe that we're empowering students with skills that will serve them in their lives, whether or not they want to go into tech. And if they want to, that's great. And if mm-hmm. they want to go do something else, you know, they're going to be, we're already carrying around smartphones connected to the internet in our pockets. We already have algorithms all around us. I want every student to be able to understand, you know, what is the cloud and how does the internet work and what are these apps Mm -hmm. and feel empowered to be able to know how they're built. If they, you know, it's not that technology is doing something to me. It's that I have the ability to be a part of creating this this technology in whatever role I go into. Uh, In terms of what specifics they need to know, like, you know, what is the current trend in the tech industry around this language or that language, it's all changing. It's all going to constantly change, mm-hmm. right? When mm-hmm. I was learning, you know, I learned uh, BASIC, then I learned Pascal, then I learned C, then I learned C++, then I learned JavaScript. You know, it doesn't really matter, <laughs> right? right? When we're talking right, about K-12 right. education, uh, it, we're learning the underlying concepts, right? And those underlying concepts are useful as you know, as the frameworks or as the languages change in K twelve, it's foundational. What we're focused on is foundational. I think of it very exactly, similar to how exactly. we think about biology, right? When mm-hmm. you go to school, you're going to learn in elementary school. You're going to learn you have a digestive system. You're going to learn you have bones, right? Um, and then in middle school, you learn a little bit more about how your body works. In high school, you probably have the opportunity at your school to take a biology class where you can learn things like, you know, how does the sun, I don't know, the Krebs cycle or something, we forget it, but, you know, you learn, you learn how the sun comes <laughs> out and we're going to turn it into energy, right? Um, right and, right. you know, most students will never go on and be an EMT or a nurse or a doctor, but, you know, when you are 40 years old and you twist something, you go to the doctor and you say, he says, you pulled a tendon. You say, I don't know, I can't remember the difference between a tendon and a ligament, right? They're, they're, I know mm-hmm. they both connect things. I, I can't remember which was which, but I have a vague sense of, oh yeah, that's one of those things in my body that connects bones or muscles to each other. And I, as somebody who's going to live with this body for my whole life, have a basic understanding of how it works, right? And that's something that everybody should should have the ability to know no matter what they want to do. Exactly. And if I yeah. do graduate, uh, high school, and I say, you know, I'm really interested in this. I want to do more. I know what that means, right? I know what it means to go to school to be an EMT or a nurse or a doctor. In the same way, I think we can all learn foundational computer science, right? We can all learn how the internet works. We can learn about algorithms. We can learn what apps are. We can learn the basics of how they work in K 12. 
so that, you know, as we go through our lives and we find out that there's some sort of machine learning or AI algorithm that's impacting mm-hmm. things like what TV shows I'm watching right now, right? Or what jobs I'm applying for or all of that. I know what that means, right? And when I hear about the right. cloud, right. I know what that means. And if I decide to go and say, hey, I want to go work in this industry, I'm prepared to go into that. I'm prepared to get started. Um, and that's, I think, the unique foundational place. I, at K-12, education has always been about foundations. It's about foundations for life. It's mm-hmm. about foundations for careers. And a computer science is part of that foundational piece that every student should really have an opportunity to do. And in the same way that when we talk about doctors or nurses, they, you know, that industry is changing constantly. Right. So if you want to be a professional, exactly. if you want to be a professional nurse, you're, you have to constantly take new courses. You're learning about new drugs. You're staying up to date with the latest, you know, uh, procedures. Right. And if you decide you want to be a tech professional, then yes, you're going to have to constantly learn about what's changing in that industry. You're going to be the person who's getting, you know, figuring out what the latest, you know, JavaScript framework you should be using is. You should be learning about what's going on. That's Fine, right? You're set up to do that if you've got the foundational piece. So, and in the same way, when I graduate high school, I'm not ready to go straight into a career in the medical profession. There's more I need to do. When a student graduates high school, having taken computer science, they're not ready to go straight into a career. They're prepared to get started to go into that career. So they finish high school, they can then go take you know, whatever whatever post-secondary thing they want to do to learn, okay, I'm going to learn this specific framework or I'm going to get a four-year degree or I'm going to go do, you know, there's many different paths a student can take. And then even when they finish that and they go get a career at that space, they're going to continually want to refresh that with all of the... Because technology field is changing fast. So they're going to be constantly Absolutely. refreshing and staying up to date. Yeah. Yep. And, and again, I think the role of K-12 education is not to get students you know, up to date with the latest, latest, latest thing that's changing. Mm-hmm. It's to give them the foundations, which they absolutely, we absolutely can in K-12. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I would agree with that. So I always like to close the program with sort of the, that, that sort of sage piece of advice, I guess, right? So... Imagine that you are a teacher sort of out on their own someplace in a school district that hasn't really said, hey, we're all in, but I'm, I'm, I'm here, I'm listening to you talk about how easy or how accessible <laughs> that this is, right? Let's preface that a little bit. And I want to give it a go. What's your, what's your top piece of advice to me about how I go about changing my own practice in my own classroom and trying to move my community um, in this direction? Let's end with that. Okay. Well, I, I have the, the, the short answer and the slightly longer answer. Um, the short answer, um, just to try one thing, is you can try doing an hour of code with your class. I think it's a great bite-sized way to get started. It takes one class period and you can get a sense of what it's about and helpfully build some momentum in your community around it. Um, if it goes well, do it again and invite the parents, invite the administrators, You know, mm-hmm. help build that interest in computer science in your area. Um, My slightly longer answer is I think you should go to professional development, same as anything else, right? If you want to learn a new skill, Mm -hmm. um, the best way to do it as a teacher is to go to professional learning. Um, Connect with other teachers who are also 
learning computer science with you. So you have a community of other people that you can talk mm-hmm. to and get support from. You can get some techniques, pedagogical techniques for how to do it, um, the skills and get a chance to practice them. There's a lot of great professional learning out there. Uh, code.org has ours up at code.org slash PL for professional learning. And, you know, come, come join us um, and meet other teachers in your neighborhood. We work with organizations around the country on this. Um, we also have international partners that we work with internationally and they offer... Internationally, we don't have code.org PL, but many of our partners offer professional learning. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, if not one of ours, there's lots of other great PL out there. I think teachers, mm-hmm. you know, teachers deserve high quality professional learning that gives them support to learn how to do this. Yep, absolutely. And it, it is, is absolutely available to anybody that wants to give it a go. So thank you very much, Alice, for joining us today and sharing about code.org and the work that you're doing and the efforts to uh, change how we think about computer science in K-12. So uh, thank you for everything that you do. Thank you so much for having me. And thanks for all the work that you are doing to support this. And thanks to all the teachers out there. They're the They're the ones making the action happen in the classroom. So we really appreciate all the teachers who have been a part of this movement. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us for Learning Unboxed, conversation about teaching, learning, and the future of work. I want to thank my guests and encourage you all to be part of the conversation. Meet me on social media at Annalise Corbin and join me next time as we stand up, step back, and lean in to reimagine education.